You're listening to The Abby Khan Show, a podcast that inspires people to achieve what they once believed was impossible. My name's Abby Khan. I'm an actor, health and fitness coach, and it is my mission to connect with interesting people, share their stories, find out how they optimize their lives for success, and how you can do the same. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of The Abby Khan Show with your host, as always, I am pleased to announce I have someone who I have been following for a long time and I have no doubt that her techniques, abilities and knowledge were going to help a lot of you, especially if you have children or even yourself. Annette Verpilet from Posture Pro, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thank you so much, Abby, for having me. It's a pleasure. Annette, just for the people that may not know who you are, what you do, can you just give us a brief highlight reel of who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm the founder of a company called Posture Pro, located in Montreal, Canada. And uh, we basically teach a method called the Posture Pro Method, which is a method that is based on neurological models, but geared specifically to improving movement and reducing pain for anyone, any age, uh, at any point in their lives. So, uh, yeah, so the, our, our method really is um, is geared at improving global health. And is this more, do you work more with general population, athletes, a bit of both? Yeah, so I have two branches in, the, in, the, in my practice. One is we do take clients in clinic, which at that point we do work with everyday people and weekend warriors. And uh, the other branch of the uh, company focuses on teaching the Posture Pro Method to healthcare practitioners, which at that point we do uh, attract a lot of uh, fitness gurus and enthusiasts and coaches and trainers. And, uh, and, and you know what, funny enough, all of these people tend to have children. So, so we relay the information back to them so that they can address and help the um, preventive population, which in this case would be addressing posture specifically with children. And how did you get into, I mean, it's quite a, I guess a quite a niche area of, um, uh, of practice is posture itself. How did you get into that? Was it going to some sort of training first? Was it sports science? What, what got you into that? Well, yeah, I started as a rehabilitation specialist and as most rehabilitation specialists were taught to assess specific parts of the body by looking at segments of the body when there's a problem locally but they never really you know get into the whole explanation as to why this specific joint shoulder joint for example would be causing a problem i'm I'm excluding traumatic events uh, from this example of course Uh, so they never really you know they never really went into which i didn't realize at the time the the specificity of of, of the global approach. So what really got me into this was when I, I was asked a question in clinic, I was being paid for my time, I was being paid for my knowledge, and I was not able to provide a, 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 a sustainable answer. And, and the question was, well, the, why is this problem always coming back? And why are your treatments, although they are helping, why are they not addressing the cause of the problem? And of course, I took this question back to my teacher at the time, and his answer was one of the answers that completely, uh, that really uh, was was mind blowing for me. One, he didn't have an answer, and he simply suggested that I just continue with manual therapy, and then you know, hopefully the problem will go away. Well, we all know that that <laughs> that rarely happens. <laughs> so yes, so that I got me. me 
of how the brain controls movement and, and muscles to begin with. And um, this is how, you know, my journey started. So uh, when we're looking at posture and issues with posture, are most problems neurological or at least stem from that aspect? They, they do. They stem from, from how we've learned how to move to begin with. So just to be careful, when we say neuro, neurological, most people will, will tend to think that there's a neurological problem with us. That's not, that's, not, that's not exactly what I'm suggesting. There is a problem, an impairment with the information that's stemming from the brain and going to the muscles. So, of course, it is a neuro, neurological problem. But I'm not stipulating this in the context of, of disease per se. It's in the way that our brain has learned how to move. And what most healthcare professionals are, are unaware of is, is we look at somebody that's actually training or doing squats or moving or jogging, we tend to forget that this person was not, you know, was not, had to learn how to actually um, project their entire body weight on the left foot, the right foot, left foot, right foot, and be able to synchronize those movement patterns. And these movement movement patterns actually go back to the first 12 months of life. So we've all gone through them. And it's going to depend on the way that we've learned how to move, the way that we started reinforcing those movement patterns, those motor patterns, which are in deep nuclei in our brain and all of us. It's, it's really goes, it develops kind of the same way with different speed. And then at that point, we start to build layer and layers of I'm going to say postural adaptations, which can lead and most likely always lead to pain and injury and decreased uh, quality of life. So it starts that early, sort of that zero to 12 months of life. We start learning and our body starts sort of adapting to the environment around us. Well, yeah, an example that I always give is how long does it take a giraffe to walk? Like, Five minutes. Yeah, if that, yeah, very quickly. Fairly quickly. And how long does it take a human to walk is 12 months. Hmm. What's the difference between the two is that the brain of the human is not fully developed. I mean, it's there, the structures are there, but the, the connections, the neuronal connections that are going to light up the brain, and those connections will only start... That, um, um, that neuroplasticity will only start to develop based on the stimulation that the baby or the toddler starts receiving. So that stimulation involves visual eye movement, movement of the head, which is going to stimulate our inner ear, which is then going to activate our posterior chain and ultimately help us stand up and walk upright as humans. So that entire stimulation takes place over the course of 12 months, throughout our entire life really, but the first 12 months up to six years are gonna be the most important because it's going, it's in, it's in that specific period of time that we're actually starting to develop our right brain, our left brain, and then ultimately have both of our brains connect together so that we can have coordinated movements. As a matter of fact, when you look at a child's posture, when they're walking before the age of six years old, they always uh, seem to appear right unstable. They're not as stable as adults, and that's because they're, the full maturity of their brain has not yet taken place. Yeah, it's like they're walking around like they've had a few drinks down at the pub on the night before. Yeah, exactly. And then they're quite they're quite unstable, right? If we're going to say that they, they fall easily and, and that's all good. They're actually learning and developing those movement patterns. There's 72 of them. They're embedded in our DNA and the DNA of every human. And those 72 movement patterns are there to help us walk upright. Hence us being 
the superior uh, beings in the entire, right, in the evolutionary chain. Yeah, there's a great book um, called Sapiens, and in that book, the author describes that humans are almost born too early it's almost that like we need a little bit more nurturing in the womb before we come out as you've sort of said there I, I think we are the only mammal that sort of comes out and, and can't basically walk as as fast as the others and and be able to survive as fast as others i think it has to do with the woman's pelvis uh, no woman would be able to give birth without being in severe severe agony if the if the brain was fully developed in in any human so i think i think from that uh, perspective uh, the brain we are born with a smaller shaped brain that is uh, genetically wired to become larger and bigger and it will do so it will do so as it at, at its best with the amount of sensory stimulation that it receives during those first years of life. And this holds true really for anyone. So are there specific things that we can sort of do? Obviously, we want to try and optimize and a lot of the, the people listening do have children. Are there ways we can optimize our children's environment to optimize for things like posture, which will eventually go into breathing mechanics, performance and things of that nature? Yeah, of course. Well, depending on, you know, I mean, the, the number one thing that you, I would suggest to any parent is to let the child move as much as possible. The first thing that we tend to do when a baby is born is to wrap it up, you know, and, and cut that sensory stimulation from skin to skin. Although more people are, are nowadays seem to be aware of this. So, uh, you know, not wrapping up the baby, not putting shoes on before the baby is, is, is barely starting to crawl, right? Stimulating the skin of the foot, working on the palmar reflex, which is basically the stimulation of the hand, which is, which is really super active in a newborn child. When you, when you touch the hand of a newborn, a newborn child, the first thing that they'll do is they'll grasp your hand. Now, at that point, what they need to learn is to let go. The letting go is the expression of a mature muscular system or a, a, a neurologically mature system, which is the capacity of controlling our own body, our own muscular system, which then leads to, of course, the control and uh, of our thoughts. What, uh, this being a topic for probably for another podcast. But, but the point is that, yeah, any stimulation that you'll give to your kid, breastfeeding, uh, you know, uh, uh, giving them toys to play with, anything with sound will just help develop those uh, pathways that, of course, access the brain and, and, you know, fully, hopefully fully develop the brain into its uh, maximum potential. So we're looking at um, when, they're, when they're sort of learning to walk, don't give them shoes before they're actually able to, able to walk, just to try not to constrict that, uh, that foot development. They should, they should be literally barefoot, and I know this might be challenging for those that live in, in colder countries. Well, I, I did it, and I live in Canada, and believe me, it's cold over here. So uh, as barefoot as, as long as possible, specifically when they're learning how to walk. But one of the common mistakes that I also see very often with parents is they tend to um, uh, create scenarios for their child to start walking be before the age of 12 months old. And that's a big mistake in the sense that the brain and the muscular system and the shape of the pelvis is not ready to receive the weight load of the entire upper body. So the, the, the baby will need to crawl first. The crawling actually initiates the digging in the acetabulum of the hip the greater trochanter that's actually moving around 
while the baby is crawling and while this so this is from a biomechanical perspective while this is happening it's also developing the temporal mandibular joint which is the jaw it's synchronizing the hand-eye coordination left side of the body right side of the body ipsilateral contralateral so all of these systems are actually happening at once right in different stages for the first 12 months so if we interrupt as adults and say start walking at eight months of age and you know you're just so much smarter if you walk at eight months. It actually ends up being the opposite. We're actually impairing, skipping neurological stages that always, 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 always lead as adults to pain and injury. So it's those, it's those parents that uh, want to sort of brag that their baby walked and talked faster than the next one. Uh, they're actually impairing their, their child's development. Yeah, they, they, they actually are um, impairing the, uh, the neurological development, the optimal development of the brain. This is not to say that those children are going to be dumb. This is not what I'm insinuating. But from a postural perspective, there will most likely be an asymmetry of muscle tone. And that asymmetry of muscle tone, because we, we work and assess biomechanics, will create restrictions of our joints from the left side of our body to the right side of, of our body, which then causes inflammation and inflammation causes pain, along with a whole of, a bunch of other symptoms that are associated to chronic inflammation. So what I'm suggesting is that it, it really is a, um, how do you say, a, a, a pyramid effect, right? If we start from the base and just ensure that our children get as much stimulation as they can in the first 12 months of life because as a parent we understand how the brain kind of develops then we can give that individual that child that toddler the maximum amount of chances to develop as best as they can within the environment that they're in so that actually is, is, is quite interesting as, as they sort of get older is there an age where obviously i mean naturally as as homo sapiens where even if we look from an anthropological standpoint we would generally the, the probably the moment the kid could walk he'd be doing something around the the try whether it's helping building things or you know not even necessarily going hunting but you know moving a hell of a lot so is there a specific age where we allow our children to go into um i guess even like things like weightlifting or even just body weight uh, training or should that be sort of cut off okay cool wait until you get into your early teens then start it well, I mean, the weightlifting, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't induce, or you know, I mean, I wouldn't say induce. I wouldn't necessarily suggest that a child starts lifting weights before the age of uh, six or eight or even twelve. Uh, I would definitely suggest that they move as much as they can because movement will activate the brain, and what movement does is that it starts creating those localized functions in the brain that have very specific functions in the human body so the more so for example the more visual input the child receives the more the child learns how to coordinate the movement of his eyes with the movement of his head and stabilize his head on his shoulders and his feet while he's running trying to catch a ball for example that entire synchronicity of of, of coordination that has to go on in the brain for me that to make that simple movement possible is extremely complex so i would want to master that before i start loading the kid on with weights because of course any child will be able to lift the weight and we all want our children to have massive muscles right but but the thing is is that if they're building a muscular system on a foundation that is misaligned 
again, this goes back to uh, promoting future injuries while they are getting healthier and stronger. Yeah, because there was that all that I know, especially for me growing up, wanting to get in the gym as soon as I sort of can to be as big as big as Schwarzenegger when I was watching him on TV and my dad never let me. But um, it was always, you know, it will stunt your growth. Um, is that a potential thing? Is that is that a real thing? Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it really is. I mean, again, it's going to depend. You know, there's different schools of thoughts out there. Uh, you know, some will say that it's okay to lift their own body weight. Uh, you've heard that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Abby, so lifting your own body weight, but stacking up some weight, you're definitely going to stunt the growth of those force plates in in, in the bones, specifically before they reach full uh, maturity. So, so you know, if they are going to do some weight training, as long as it's uh, as long as it doesn't exceed their body weight, uh, you could do a lot of you know intensive and weight training, as as you know the auditors and yourself must know, uh, with with your own body weight, like well, you know with squats, with lunges, with push-ups and have the child develop uh, fairly, um, you know, have a, have a well-developed uh, body. But I would definitely hold back on stacking up, you know, some, some massive weights before, uh, before full, full maturity of the nervous system, which at that point is 16 years old. Yeah, one thing I've always uh, sort of promoted um, with, with people that ask me, like, what can I do for my kid and stuff? I was like, look, and honestly, I think, like, gymnastics would be a really good place to start. It's non-load-bearing. You're only using your body weight. You're teaching uh, movement patterns and things of that nature. So when you eventually transition weights, neurologically, I mean, doing a leg press or a squat would be quite simple. So you're almost sort of preparing yourself to become really good at those exercises early on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and don't forget, again, <laughs> those exercises are the reflection of the way that we've learned to coordinate and synchronize our body you can tell a lot by someone's brain simply by the way that they move and the way that they walk so simply observing the way that someone is is synchronizing the right side of their body with the left side of their body right the contralateral gait is going to tell you a lot as far as how the you know the way that they learned how to move in the early stages of life now we're talking about the elderlies of course then you're going to have to start thinking brain degeneration are there any illnesses in the brain but that's going to be the job of a professional a professionally trained uh, specialist but again movement gives specific indications as far as how the brain is wired no perfect i um I think people are going to get a lot from that to just sort of think a little bit more about how they're, what what the child is going to look like in the next, you know, 10 years rather than I want to make my child walk so I can uh, tell everybody how fancy the, the kid is. So hopefully people can uh, think a little bit more into the future. Well, I have I have a good example of, of you know, if you if, if uh, the auditors wanted to test if there, you know, if there is proper uh, left brain and right brain synchronicity. I've done many examples, uh, put a lot of examples on my Instagram or Facebook, but I'll describe the, the exercises. Try to touch your nose and your ear simultaneously. So I'll just describe it like this if you want to take a look, yeah. right? If you're actually doing this simultaneously, so this would be ipsilateral, but if you actually cross it over, then you are at this point, what's happening is you're forcing your brain to have both sides of the brain communicate together. So what I'm doing is is with, with a specific tempo, right? Tempo being one, two, one, two. Uh, every time I would hear a sound, I would touch my lap, 
then touch my nose and ear simultaneously on the same side, and then touch my lap, nose and ear, lap or nose and ear. So to have the child do this exercise and synchronize the movement of their hands while they're hearing the sound is a great way to re or to, not to retrain, but to train their brain to develop as, as symmetrically as possible. No, wicked. I'm going to try that for, for future children that are coming in place. So I'm going to test them every day. I'm like, come on, let's go. We're going to, we're going to optimize you. It goes pretty fast when you start, when you start, you know, implementing that, but most likely you'll find that with a child that has issues in school, issues with language, issues with emotions, uh, issues with sports. Um, you know, I'm willing to bet that nine times out of 10, that specific exercise will uh, turn out to be positive. Oh, perfect. Um, a question that, that um, I've always sort of been intrigued about is how are they, I mean, is there ways that we can optimize our posture to get ourselves into a more sympathetic state, sort of talking pre-exercise, and then also parasympathetic state, sort of post-exercise and even pre-bed. So I want to start with the sympathetic sort of state. Are there ways we can optimize our posture to get into that state? Yeah, so I love that question, and, and I'll try to answer it in, in the simplest way. The, the short answer is yes, 100%. <laughs> uh, the explanation behind that is that, I mean, think about it. If you're walking around with your uh, body that is misaligned, you might not be aware of this, but you are wasting more energy standing upright than someone who is perfectly aligned. And by, by aligned, I don't mean for you to think consciously right now and, and, and straighten your shoulders. I mean, when you're not thinking about it, what does your posture look like? That's gonna go back to this unconscious process that kind of runs in the same area of the brain that controls your digestion and your heart rate. So you can't really actually control that part of your posture. So where I'm trying to get at with this is that if, if you are walking around with a posture that's misaligned, you are in a constant state of stress without even realizing it. So what can you do to activate that parasympathetic system and, and you know, and have perfect synchronicity before, between sympathetic and parasympathetic? Well, the first thing you need to do is to work on those body parts that tell your brain where you are in space so that your nervous system doesn't feel constantly stressed trying to fight gravity efficiently at a cost of muscular, of excessive muscular expenditure. So I love to do those two things in the morning. I've actually incorporated them in all of my friends do it, you know, close family, I recommend to everyone and, and, and kids in the family is to stimulate the skin of your feet and work out your eyes every single morning before you do anything. The jaw definitely is a component, but the jaw will be linked more to how are you handling your stress on a daily basis. Someone who's in pain or someone who's excessively stressed will have a tendency to clench their teeth more often than someone who is, who is not stressed. So that's another component, but it definitely con contributes to the first two. So working out the skin of your foot, using sensory stimulation, skin stimulation from the base of your feet to light up that part of your brain that then projects on that other part of your brain that tells your nervous system how to actually move is a great way to start the day. And then to work out your eyes in a fashion so that the tension between both of your eyes is as symmetrical as possible. This visual information is also related to your brain and tells your brain where you are in space. So 
both of these sensory input coming from the bottom up and then from the top down meet one another in that specific part of the brain and just calm down the sympathetic tone and allow us to go in a state of in a relaxed in a relaxed state so could you do that before i don't know if that made sense or yeah, not it does it does i mean i followed your work for a little bit so i, I sort of get what you're uh, what you're saying um could you use that same thing like before bed then if it's going to get you more parasympathetic like calm your nervous system down uh, you can but uh at that point I, w I would target more the jaw before going to bed. Uh, I would go for the feet and the eyes in the morning as soon as you wake up. And then kind of, because the minute that you're stimulating your feet and your eyes, what ends up happening is that you're actually, um, you're actually preparing your brain to fight gravity efficiently. It always goes back to gravity. It, it really does. Without gravity, we cannot build our muscular system and our muscles relay information back to the brain within that specific gravity. So it always goes back to that. So you're actually uh, making sure that you're fighting gravity optimally with the right amount of tension on both sides of your body that swell. You go throughout your entire day, comes nighttime. What you're going to want to do is calm yourself down and any, you know, any jaw exercises or muscle stretching or tongue exercises. I know it sounds a little weird, but really tongue stretching and even vibration in the jaw. So simply by taking a credit card, I have a Starbucks card over here, mm. biting on it and then hitting the card. And that vibration will actually stimulate or tame down your trigeminal nerve, which has a direct impact on your sympathetic tone. No, I love that. And I know you've got those exercises on your, um, on sort of throughout your social media, haven't you? So people can actually see um, how to do those, the, the ones to stimulate the bottom of the foot and to um, stimulate yeah. the eyes as well. Yeah, we give a lot of information and, you know, we want to start the 14 day challenge because I do anyone who does these exercises for 14 days, to be honest, after one day, you'll already feel the benefits. But if you actually do it for 14 days, I believe these exercises to be life changing. Perfect. I'm going to start it from when I go back to bed and get back up. All right. All right. <laughs> um, so we're talking about first thing in the morning, we're stimulating the, the bottom of the foot. Essentially, I think you said something like a, a pen or something like that. And it's just stroking the bottom of the, the yeah, bottom of the or even a fork. Or even a fork. Okay, cool. Right. So don't, don't do it too deeply. Don't hurt yourself. But it has to, the, the pressure has to be enough so that you are actually feeling... Um, some people feel obviously ticklish. Yeah. So the ticklish sensation must pass. When it passes, that's when you've actually integrated the sensory input. That means simply that you're ready. You're ready to go. <laughs> you're ready to start your day. That part of your brain is now wired. It's received the information. You are in control of your movement, of your muscular system, and ultimately you are in control of your life. So the t oh wow so it must pass so essentially the I guess into the repetitions we're talking as long as it takes till you stop getting that flinching ticklish feeling. Yeah, and actually that flinching, flinching, flinching uh, ticklish feeling that you are uh, that you just spoke of, Abby, is is what is referred to as the Babinski reflex. It's a reflex that we all have when we're born that exists in children, but that should actually disappear fully disappear at the age of 12 months old. So if you actually have this flinching effect in an adult, then you have a positive 
Babinski reflex. Now, if you're going to go with the, you know, the, I'm mentioning Babinski, the first thing you're going to do is Google the Babinski reflex. Please don't be alarmed because it says that you have a neurological disorder. The Babinski reflex simply means that when you stroke the skin of your foot, you will actually go into extension. That is a positive reflex. What should happen in an adult is a flexion. And that flexion is associated to the way to walking, to the extension of the big toe, which helps us with the striking off of our heel, which allows, which allows us to move forward. That, yeah, that's super, super interesting. I'm 30, by the way, and I still have that, that extreme ticklish feel. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, crap. Um, that's really interesting. You say that as, as an adult, we should go into flexion, which is going to help with toe strike when sprinting. Um, I mean, if we're looking at strength and, and conditioning athletes as well, it's also going to help with glute activation as well, for striking the big toe on the floor, which are a lot of people, and I know a lot of athletes that, that I've trained in the past, always seem to have underactive and underfiring glutes. And that could be uh, sort of relaying that problem back to how they were growing up. Yeah, how they grew up. I mean, it starts there, but there are solutions as adults of things that we can do. What's really amazing about the Posture Pro Method is that we're actually able to pin down where it started. Once you figure out where it started, you work by process of elimination, which then allows you to figure out which part of the brain, bo brain body part, brain and muscle part is actually broken. And then you're then able to act on the specific sensory entry to start retraining, re-looping, reconnecting that brain part so that you are able to integrate the reflex. I'll compare it to this. When you have a reflex that is still active in an adult, I want you to compare that to how do you say, you know those, you know when you learn how to bike, you got the wheels on the those wheels on the on the back wheel? Yeah. Oh God, it just passed my mind. Yeah, like training wheels. Training wheels. Yeah. Right. So if you don't integrate those reflexes, in the early stages of your life, you're going through your adult life with those training wheels. You've never gotten rid of them. And you're doing this, at again, at a cost, at an additional cost, which is costing you energy and which is costing you to use your joints unevenly. The reflection of that is in the way that you walk. It could be in the strike of your foot. And then the extension of that is in the activation of your muscular system, hence your glutes. So can your foot affect your glutes? 100%. Be, uh, before looking at the glute, I'm not saying we shouldn't train our glutes. We should train our glutes. We love, we love hard and developed glutes, of course. But, but the glutes are under the influence of the foot strike. And the foot strike is under the influence of the way that you've learned how to move in the early stages of your life. So for people such as me that have still got little, no, I want to call them issues for lack of a better word, it still can be addressed. It still can be fixed. I'm not completely screwed. Of course, of course <laughs> it can. And that's, that's the beauty of it. As long as we have a healthy nervous system, uh, as long as we're aware of the work that we have to do, neuroplasticity takes place within, starts today, and we'll need a full six weeks in order for those neurons, those new neurons to fire and create permanent connections in the brain. So you'll need to do it for a minimum of 14 days, of course, up to optimally six weeks, but even more so, even more optimally, up to for, uh, for a period of 365 days. Yeah, so I guess it's like anything, it's that long-term solution, it's long-term solutions is what we, what we really want. We don't want an overnight success because that really happens, if anything. Correct, correct. So in terms of 
uh, we got the sort of the foot. So how does the eye movement, how does that sort of reflect um, the rest of our posture? Does it basically just tell our, tell our brain where we are in this sort of space? Like, so you'll see me do on my social media channels. I'm, I, I do what we call convergence testing, which is a, a, a reflex test. And I perform this test by grabbing a pen. I put the pen on the nose of the person at 90 degrees, which means that the tip is right at the level of the pupils. And then I'll ask the person to look at the tip of the pen. And again, what you'll see more often than not is one eye is actually looking at the target, in this example, the tip of the pen, and the other eye is looking at something else that's completely different. Now, if you understand the basic concepts of, of vision, that visual input that goes into your eye is going to relate different visual information, different images to your brain. One is the pen and the other one is the wall or the door. The problem with that is that the brain is conflicting visual information and has to make sense of which image it needs to give priority to. So it will in that instant neutralize an image, the door. And as you're looking at the pen, you'll say to me, well, I see the tip of the pen. So how does that affect posture? Well, perception of self, perception of the environment, cognition, understanding what we see, perception of distances, calculating distances properly, understanding what we read, reading properly, seeing what, seeing what we read before we actually get, right? So, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and it can affect virtually everything. All of the problems that we see today in the for 21st century, whether they are movement problems, cognition problems, language problems, stress problems, uh, and of course, postural problems. Can our sleep, so our sleeping position specifically, negatively impact our posture? So yeah, I know a lot of the times, I don't whether it's a mattress issue or whatever, but a lot of people get it with you know, my, oh, I, I slept funny, my neck's hurting, or my my back always hurts when I sleep. Is there is there such thing as your posture being negatively affected by your sleeping position? If you go to bed with a body that is misaligned, and when you sleep, you go through that uh, rapid, right, that rapid eye phase, that, um, I forget the terminology right off the top of my tongue, that uh, REM, which is the most recuperative uh, uh, sleep, what ends up happening is that you're never really able to reset your body properly. You go through homeostasis, you start to restore yourself, you start to heal yourself within your sleep. But if you're doing so from a foundation that is already misaligned, you're always at a negative. The expression of that is, wow, man, when I wake up in the morning, my back or my neck is killing me. What that means is that your jaw probably contributed, is probably an an element of the problem in this entire context. Now, we all clench our teeth when we sleep during paradoxal sleep. That's the terminology I was looking for. And that is physiological. However, if we are going through this clenching, don't forget that the jaw muscles actually influence our eye muscles and have a direct impact on our upper trapezius. So if you have a postural problem, it could definitely have an impact on um, create symptoms when you wake up in the morning. So to answer your question, can sleep create, the way you sleep create pain? No, I, I don't I don't believe that it can. But can a partially misaligned body 
then cause you to feel pain in the morning once you've slept? Absolutely. So I guess because sleep is more of a restorative uh, process, it's trying to essentially heal everything. But if the body is, I guess, screwed up and so misaligned, it's not going to be fixed in one night's sleep and you're constantly going out through the stress, stress, stresses of the day, through the allostatic sort of uh, levels of stress, um, going to bed, it's going to just create this, ne I guess, negative feedback loop of you're always going to have that pain until you address the actual core of the problem, I guess. 100%. All right. So we've talked about children. Uh, what about adults? So what we've, we've talked about, obviously, the, the, the things that can impact us on day to day. But are there actually ways um, of, I guess, what are the biggest bang for your book exercises to improve posture? We talk about, obviously, people talk about flexibility, about stretching, about loaded stretching, about so people talk about not stretching and just sort of focusing on working through full ranges of motion more often throughout their day to day and especially in exercise. Are there any specific or a few big bang for your book exercises that people can just go, all right, I'm going to implement these and get the biggest benefit? Because most people are lazy, myself included, when it, <laughs> when it comes to sort of stretching and things. So yeah, so you you can't get more time um, uh, efficient with with uh, what we teach with with the posture pro method, but also you know as as free tips because I love I love to give things for free that deliver really fast results. As we were discussing the the stimulating your the skin of your foot and working out your eyes, and if you want to see how to do that, just head on over to the TED talk that I did where I actually demonstrate on the huge 4K screen how to do the exercise step by step. Doing those exercises on a daily basis will give you the bang a bang for your buck. They're very um, they're not costly in time. They'll cost you no more than 30, 45 seconds per day. Well, let's say three minutes per day maximum, and they're going to give you the maximum results as far as muscle tone, muscle tension. So don't forget, you can't build a house on a crooked foundation. So you, our number one priority as adults is to make sure that when we are functioning in our daily lives, that our body is as aligned as it can be. Then we can start stacking on the weight and loading on all of those stressors that we go throughout our lives so that we can you know, start to function within that environment. So I'd say skin of the foot every morning, eye exercises every morning, and I'm going to add to that when you go to bed, the jaw massaging. So if you actually bite your teeth together, you'll feel a muscle that'll pop out, right? For those that don't know, it's called the masseter. And usually, usually there's one that's more tense than the other. It could be that both are tense. And, you know, if you identify that soft spot or that tender spot, you kind of put some pressure there, move your fingers so that you create a bit of a vibration. I would say even leave the pressure there and open your mouth to the max while you keep the pressure there. So what you're doing in essence is you're actually stretching the masseter, right? It's like a yoga for the jaw. And so you're stretching the masseter and you do that a couple of times and I would do that before going to bed, but there's nothing to stop you from doing that in the day as well. And I would add to that the credit card, the vibration of that credit card, which will also have an impact on your sympathetic tone because it will massage your vagal tone at the same time. You're in essence, you're massaging your entire brainstem while you're doing that. So it's very soothing, it's very relaxing for the nervous system. Combine that to any breathing programs that you're already doing at home and you have one of the quickest and most efficient ways to tame down the nervous system 
and realign your posture. Perfect. Thank you for that. I think um, that's that's definitely something I'm going to implement in my um, um, in my own day to day sort of rituals. And I will tag the TED Talk and everything in the notes below. So, Annette, how do you start your day? What's the sort of, I, I love routines. I'm obsessed with knowing what people do and what people eat and stuff. What's the sort of first hour or so of your day look like? Oh, my Lord, I'm up at 5 a.m. I'm sorry to say <laughs> When it's 8 a.m. for me, it's already noon. So, mm. yeah, I start off, uh, I start off uh, very early in the morning to get rid of all of my, you know, whatever I wasn't able to complete the night before. And once that's done, I allocate at least an hour of my time to this because I'm fresh and I'm sharp in the morning. Then I'll go and, you know, kick in my little workout routine to make sure I train my body. Of course, I've done my my neurological exercises before that. And then once that's done, you know, the kids, uh, bringing the kids to school, getting ready with the kids and then getting ready to start my day and then crashing at 7 p.m. is my, so I'm, I, I admire that you're still up at this time, I must say, <laughs> at 7, 8 p.m. I'm knocked out, it's it's bye-bye time. So yeah, very fast paced, but um, you know, you have to you have to have your routine and manage properly in order to, be as efficient as you can be throughout your day. Mm. What is sort of on the other end of the spectrum? What does the sort of last hour look like? Do you have any specific routines to optimize getting into that parasympathetic state and optimizing sleep? Yeah, so, you know, I always go through, uh, I have an app on my phone that uh, allows me to go, uh, that, that is, is very nice to follow because you're kind of seeing a bubble go up and down. I try to implement uh, implement a breathing uh, into my uh, routine, simply you know, take a take a deep breath and then exhale twice as long to to calm my uh, my nervous system down as best as I can. Um, I'll say that in in my routines in the summer and in, in the winter, I have I'm lucky enough to have a pool at home, but I do do a lot of that cold uh, uh, that cold uh, like water uh, immersion stuff. Yeah, yeah, which uh, you know I, I'm not able to pass the. The two-minute mark yet, I've started retraining myself. So, you know, I'll do that either at night or in the morning. It really depends uh, how I feel on that day. But I do do a lot of, uh, you know, anything that I can do to shock my system in a positive way uh, to restore it, I try to apply it uh, depending on the on the seasons, of course, uh, that we uh, that we live in here in, in Montreal. Okay, beautiful. What does trading look like for you at the moment? Obviously, with the... Uh... The uh, self-isolation going on is just body weight, home workout sort of stuff, or do you have access to a gym? Well, I do. I do. At Posture Pro, we have, we're lucky enough to have gym equipment, so we're still, I mean, I'm, I'm still accessing the gym by, with my kids by myself and my and my little dog, so mm. we go there on a, on a daily basis to kind of do our workout, and this is really what's happening now. I mean, the kids are coming to the gym uh, with me, and they're, they're seeing us, they're seeing me work out, they're... Uh, you know, running around, they're going on the treadmill, they're trying to discover their body, they're swinging off stuff. So it's it's actually, you know, in all of this negativity, it's it's quite nice because you get to spend more time with with your family and with your kids. I'm sure I'm sure the people are probably experiencing the same thing, but it but it does suck uh, all around that you know we have to we have to be going through this. So so yeah, I do. Uh, workouts has continued. They've actually been better, probably better than they ever have. <laughs> I guess the beauty of, of this sort of time as the, the old saying goes is uh, children will do what you do, not what you say. You know, you'll always do the opposite of what your parents tell you. But if they do something, you're more likely and more inclined to follow. So it's probably a really 
good time to create that that positivity in in terms of their movement patterns in terms of their environment and lifestyle and routines of this is what we do kids we we exercise daily we do our um, our eye exercises our foot exercises in the morning we do our breathing exercises at night this is how we this is how we roll this is what life's like well you know i mean it's it's my kids are, are trained like that since since the beginning of their lives i mean if you say to them you know let's let's do your eye exercises they know exactly they they have that you know i have these little balls here all around in the house that are kind of they're walking around like stimulating their hands and their feet so i think it's a great way to start implementing with kids for sure um you know i do it it doesn't mean that everybody should do it but uh like you said, once you do it and you start the routine, the kids will just will just follow, and you just have to make it fun for them, really. Do you have like a kids course of like how to how to raise your child to optimize posture or anything of that sort of nature? Or I guess, will do you have anything like that coming out potentially? Well, coming out, uh, no. But now that you mention it, but I, I will say that in the international program, because we uh, offer different types of courses for, for for really virtually anyone. It just so happens that it's mostly healthcare professionals that take our courses. And in the module four of our program, we do go through all of these uh, reflexes and these movements, and we really break it down to the T and, and teach you and show you what you need to test for with children. I'd say that it's the melting pot of the program. A lot of feedback that we receive is that people will say to me, you should have started with that from the beginning, but then at the same time, you wouldn't be able to practice the posture pro method. So, so there's conflicting information, but all this to say that, that at the end of the program, you've gotten, you've gotten all of the information that you need to make sense of this method. And you really, you know, you really start noticing that once you understand this concept, it's really hard to, it really doesn't make sense to keep on training the way that we've been taught to train without actually implementing more so of a brain-based approach. And I'll, I'll say that recently we've, um, recently as in the last three days, we've actually launched an online course, which is called the Brain Coach Performance Certification, which is accessible to absolutely everybody. This has been in demand for the last 13 years. I guess that it took, unfortunately, a, uh, a quarantine for, for us to finally to finally uh, start building it and release it. It's it's it is a course that will introduce any healthcare professional to the concept of a brain based approach. And uh, the main difference being, as far as the um, brain coach certification, is that it is it is an introductory uh, program as far in comparison to our international program, which has a different price tag. And it will basically allow you to create most of the results that we're talking about in this podcast, but also give you a solid foundation of, of what you need to look for. And uh, certainly a teaser for the, um, for the full certification. If you enjoy the Brain Coach Performance Certification, then you'll know for sure that you will enjoy taking the full program with us. Are, the, um, are these courses online or are they more face-to-face? No, they are online, so it's going to be the it's a pre-launch, which will be released on May twentieth, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, uh, twenty twenty. And uh, once the course goes live, you'll be able to download it on your computer and go at your own pace. Uh, five modules, uh, five parts, eleven modules, six-hour videos, over fifteen videos. That's minimum of information. Plus, we have uh, strength coaches Preston Green and Blake Bender from uh, both coaches of the men's basketball team in in the states that are going to be adding on their um, exercises protocol that they actually do with their athletes. 
And uh, both of these uh, coaches are, are using the posture pro method and are implementing the brain coach certification into their protocol. So they're going to share, you know, they're sharing that experience as well in, in that certification. So, um, yeah, definitely a must do. Uh, posturepro.co is the website if you if for anyone who's interested and we do have a special launch price that's 285 instead of 425 up until may 3rd so uh if you wanted to to get on uh the um discounted price then uh, just head on over to our website and all that will be tagged below and after following your sort of journey for a while and, and i'm very very impressed that you got uh, preston green as well so i followed for a while as well, and his um, his sort of background speaks for itself as well with the level of success that he's accumulated through throughout his life. Um, what um, what are the sort of biggest lessons you've learned on your along your journey of building business, building brand, sort of in this extremely sort of competitive market uh, in terms of like the health fitness sort of lifestyle space are there any specific lessons that you've learned from yourself as you've sort of built posture pro to where it is today Oof, where do we begin um my, my first le- personal lesson you mean or professional lesson i'd say the we can personal go either. or professional we can go <laughs> either yeah we can get into both yeah. well listen i mean the first thing is is that one of the biggest lessons uh, for me was not not to be afraid of the unknown and i'm when i'm saying this i'm thinking specifically of of a lady that called me um this is a uh, personal and professional when she wanted to have some treatment to find a relief in the pain she was experiencing this uh, this was a parkinson's uh, stage one parkinson's disease who at the time, because I guess I was, you know, felt insecure. I didn't know. I wasn't sure. I, I really was afraid to take her on because I didn't know if I would produce any results. So, you know, always pushing myself ahead and not being afraid of the unknown. And, and you know, and I'm so glad that I finally got to meet this lady because she turned out to be my my uh, greatest fan and the, the greatest, uh, one of the greatest um, experience that I've had in, in my practice. Um, you know, as far as the fitness industry is concerned, Charles Poliquin uh, would say to me, said to me, um, was it uh, seven or nine years ago, that he felt at the time that the health and fitness industry was not ready for a brain-based approach. And uh, one of the conversations, the last conversations I had with him before he passed, which uh, which we were actually supposed to follow up on that conversation the, the day of which which we, we didn't know at the time he was he was had already passed was the fact that now the, the fitness industry was now he felt was ready to incorporate a brain based approach and he wanted to he was speaking to me he had spoken to me and wanted I was asking him to do a video in regards to all of the um, uh, changes that he had quantified with his athletes before before he passed so in a nutshell we he's he's uh, Charles Poliquin is the one who was able to quantify that any athlete that has a body that is better aligned athlete now we're talking high level not just you know the person that's just regularly training would gain strength strength anywhere between the first reading was 5.1 percent the second was eight point something and the other one was 15 percent now what he wanted to know and this is in the context of three minutes. Uh, what he wanted to know is that in that that new uh, range, that new uh, found strength a range, can they then start building from that point on and get even stronger and better? And what he was telling me is that his conclusions were yes. 
And I said, Charles, you have to do you have to do a video about this and release this to the world. But of course, we uh, we did not have time. So. Um, yeah, I'm motivated. I'm motivated to be able to um, help as many people as possible and, of course, spread the awareness of the science. I think that the health and fitness industry is still is still not up to speed. It kind of doesn't make sense that we're, we're really training people without without looking at least at the basic. I'm not saying I'm not suggesting that we should become neurologists and have a degree in neurology, but there are basic tests that any trainers can do that can give them a very clear input into what's going on as far as the nervous system or the instability that we see with our clients. And then very simple tools that could be applied to help anyone restore proper uh, movement and eliminate pain. Yeah, I mean, these sort of things are things that should be put in the basic level of, of certification. As you said, there you don't have to be a neurologist, but at least if we're looking from the brain, I mean, it should be the first part of the course, right? Like the brain. How does it work? How does it impact the rest of our life and our with, all the way to our food choices, to our behavior, to our habits, to our posture? All those sort of basics are, are the fundamentals, right? with any profession really i mean this applies to physiotherapists to kinesiologists to dentists to ophthalmologists to podiatrists yeah. i mean and the list goes on and, and to trainers of course the ones that are working on the muscular system are trainers so in, in my opinion they're the first ones that should be informed in regards to this yeah it's insane to see that uh, that i mean that i personally see especially with online as well how many people don't even have a certification and are training people, um, which is ridiculous because, as you said, they're like the, the per personal trainers are the front line, you know, where the first people that people come to see to go help me and fix me. Uh, and a lot of the times we will go, cool, yep, we can do everything. When in reality, we can't. We've got a very, very sort of niche. We can improve body composition, improve health, fitness, lifestyle. But outside of that, the people need to refer out and go to the professionals such as yourself. Yeah, and I'll even extend and say that um, I, I think also what trainers uh, might not realize is, is when you are getting someone fit, you are actually contributing to their future injuries because you're training them on a body that's that's misaligned. So in essence, you're you're strengthening the strong, you're 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 weakening the weaker, and you're further misaligning that structure and further decompensating those those joints that are already overcompensated to begin with so at the end of the day i mean it's a lose-lose situation because if you lose your client that can no longer train because they're in pain that's going to impact your business at a certain extent uh you know and at the same time the person is the person's life will be impacted as well so uh, for me to see that as a win-win situation is if we actually do incorporate a brain-based approach and have the minimal amount of training, which is what the brain coach performance certification will, will teach, then at that point we can at least make sure that, you know, we've stabilized the structure and then we can go on about doing what it is that we do. What are three of the, as, a, as we're sort of closing in on time, I want to be respectful of your time again, and that is what are probably three of the big takeaway points that people can implement to improve their lives today? Yeah, so like I've said, the biggest, the biggest three takeaways are, I'd say, watch the types of shoes that you wear for yourself. Don't put shoes on your kids uh, at an earlier age, at, at an age that is too early. If you are going to pick some shoes, make sure they're flexible. I'm going to give you more than three. Stimula stimulate your feet, <laughs> of course. Uh, massage your jaw and do some eye exercises. So there's five right there. 
Perfect. So people have more than enough to go and implement today just to massively improve their lives. Um, what are some of the books, um, if you are a big reader at all, that uh, that you could sort of recommend that people check out? Whether that is, you know, fiction, non-fiction, doesn't really matter. But what are a few books that have really impacted you? Yeah, so Principles of Neuroscience, I'm going to have to say, unfortunately, was one that was one that really, uh, you know, I, I'm only going to read it if it's going to bring uh, me some better understanding of, of what it is that I do. I, I rarely read just for, just for fun, unfortunately. So Principles of Neuroscience that I actually read three times um, to better understand the, the knowledge and the concept of, of all this. Um, if I think, think of any other ones that I might suggest, uh, I will certainly uh, relay that information to you so that you could put in that, put it down in the, uh, in the uh, description, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, but on that note, we're, we're also going, probably going to be releasing in the, uh, in the next year, a book that I've uh, written. I'm just completing finally, finally the uh, chapters of this book, which will combine all of, all of this information together uh, and applicable really virtually for, for absolutely everybody. Perfect. I will be definitely looking forward to to purchasing that book for sure. Um, I've actually for for a while I've been like, do you guys have a book? Like I'd I'd love to have all this information to be put into one condensed um, product so I can just learn from that thing. We, we're literally with the quarantine. We are doing everything we did not have time to do, including. <laughs> The online certification so it turned out to be uh, very very positive in that sense and the book uh, the big book is just being finalized it was actually written seven chapters were actually written uh, two years ago and just stalled right there I was just like I was I'm almost finished and yeah. then I was just stalling but now it's being fully completed and it has been completely reviewed as well excellent and lastly Annette, what is what is next sort of for you obviously with the quarantine and things like that that's putting probably a few things on hold but it's also progressing in other ways but what are you guys sort of working on next year i mean you got the book you got the brain coach certification that's just come out anything else that you're, you guys are working on over there at posture pro yeah coming up with an app for imubis excellent and yeah, and a, a kit for children for visual rehabilitation for children as well. So that's going to be coming out in terms of a, a small toolkit, if you wish, that's going to make it very um, a lot of fun for kids to do stuff with their hands, with their eyes, and for the parents to participate at the same time. That's going to be more for toddlers. And then there is going to be an app for the general public that you that will obviously help retrain that reaction time and those eye movements uh, for, for those of you that, you know, are too lazy to use your own index finger, <laughs> you can just pop it on the iPhone and do those exercises. And, um, you know, some, some professionals will say to me, that's already too much on my plate, <laughs> but that, that will be, uh, that is it for this year. And then we'll see what uh, next year holds for us. As far as the quarantine's over, well, we've had to reschedule some of our training we're waiting to see what happens, of course, in the next uh, couple of weeks to uh, either reschedule or book new dates for uh, whoever has signed up to the international program. But rest assured that I'm uh, looking forward to meeting everybody in person, and I'm super excited. I'm no doubt they're looking forward to meeting you too. Annette, thank you again for your time. Guys and girls, all the information that we spoke about will be in the show notes below, so be sure to check that out. We hope you all have a great day. Thank you.